Welcome, welcome, welcome to a very special, albeit slightly spooky, edition of Own Goal Podcast. <laughs> I am your host and part-time newscaster, Donnie. Alongside me, as always, is Eric. On this very spooky Friday, the 13th of November, 2020. Um, honestly, I am slightly superstitious, and on my way both to work and from work, I was just really hoping I wasn't going to get into a car accident. I, I'm not superstitious, but you could describe me as a little stitious. That's actually your rap name, Lil Apostrophe Stitious. <laughs> Lil, Lil Stitious. <laughs> the only thing with less yeah, with it's... the only thing with less listens on SoundCloud than this podcast is Eric's um, not so up and coming rap career. Yeah, it's because I I, I I label myself as Little Stitious, but I misspelt it and it just says <laughs> Little Stitches. So it's a it's a big PR uh, messaging nightmare. Uh, we got a lot to talk about, guys, outside of my bugging uh, SoundCloud. Uh, rap career, but first. To the byline. It's in, it's in goal! It's a gift! Well, he's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. It's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. It goes straight into the bottom of the corner. Bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball. It's the inside of his car. As always, we like to start with a little bit of uh, what's going on in the soccer world, soccer news around the world, and we, f- we know that we know that you, our dear listeners, are, are heavily invested in the most important soccer award show every year. Uh, that, of course, being the Onis, the only award show that really matters. And we just have a quick uh, a quick category update uh, for cuck of the year. Uh, there's a front one that has emerged and Donnie, I think our, you, our correspondent on the ground needs to give us a little more information. Yes. Um, a few weeks ago, Barcelona's board of directors elected to have in very much a, uh, Emperor Palpatine to Chancellor Valorum type deal. Uh, real ones who know the Phantom Menace, you'll know the interworkings of the Galactic Senate's politics, but that's neither here nor there. I, I call for a vote of no, no confidence in Chancellor Valorum. Yes. Um, thank you, Kira Knightley. Everyone always forgets that Kira Knightley is actually playing the imposter Queen Amidala in that movie. Um, but anyway, so Barcelona. Stay, stay tuned next week for our our, our uh, follow up podcast all about Star Wars and from the Mandalorian uh, titled "This Is the Way." <laughs> um, but anyway, so back to um, Josep Bartomeu. The board decided to have a vote of no confidence in him, where basically, I guess, the fans vote to kick him out. And right after they announced that, uh, Josep Bartomeu said, quote, he sees no reason to resign. Well, less than 24 hours, I think it was about 22 hours later, he resigned. (laughs) And the one thing you can't do within 24 hours of a statement saying, (laughs) I'm not going to resign because of X, is to then resign because of X. Um... Obviously, Josep Bartomeu, not a popular figure after his very public and very odd feud with Barcelona's talisman star player and honestly the biggest reason they've been relevant the last few years in Lionel Messi. And to kind of show like how ridiculous it is to upset Messi, quote from Gerard Piquet, the Camp Nou should be renamed after Messi. <laughs> so just the whole and, situation's like, it- absurd and I think it's best for Barcelona and for Messi for Josep to be gone. 
Yeah, I think I think it is, but also I think they've got problems bigger than that. I mean, we, we've, I think, been pretty vocal on our, our thoughts of the qualifications and abilities of current Barcelona manager Ronald Koeman. Uh, and I believe just recently he has uh, mentioned that uh, he thinks Messi's wages make it hard for Barcelona to stay competitive, which is probably not something I'm saying if I am managing a team that is underperforming in the league and I'm hoping to convince my star player to change his mind and stay for another year at the end of the season. Yeah, and also um, Real Betis has a midfielder that they played like uh, like last weekend, and he's he used to be coached by Raul Coy with this midfielder, and he, his name's Joaquin, and he literally basically said that like Raul Koeman is just absolute trash. Now, Betis did end up getting shit-pumped 5-2, but just the fact that he's like, yeah, like my old boss fucking sucked. I think he. I think he. He. he uh, like direct quote said, "I learned absolutely nothing while playing under that man." <laughs> um. So yeah, that's kind of uh, that. Um. Okay, Gates. Interesting uh, little tidbit of financial news from Syria. Um. Antonio Conte makes a lot of money for a soccer coach. He makes twelve million euros per year. Can you guess how much the next highest paid coach in Syria makes? Next highest paid coach in Syria. Um, I'm just mentally running through my list of managers. And their 401ks. Well, so the problem you have, there's been a lot of managerial turnover in Syria uh, over the past eight years, which is something that happens when one club has a dynasty, right? So you had Juventus just owning the last, what, eight Serie A competitions, and they have a first-year new coach, so he's not going to be the next one on the list, I don't think. Um, you know, Last year we had Don Carlo at Napoli, but he left and was replaced by Gattuso, another relatively young manager who's had you know, positive and negative, so it's not going to be him. Um, but then it needs to be one of the larger clubs because they're going to be the ones that can afford to pay. My guess is Atalanta's manager. That's not a bad guess. It is Paolo Fonseca of Roma. Roma, damn it. But guess how much he makes. He probably makes like seven mil. He wishes he makes seven mil. He makes four. 2.5. Dude, they're paying Pirlo at Juve like a million three. Like, oh my God. just paying him enough. I mean, obviously, that's a significant amount of money. But relatively, like, but nothing. Compared, compared, to the tw- compared to the 12 mil that uh, Conte is making, and, and so Conte is getting paid, you know, do, our math friends can, can do it, you know, more than five times, <laughs> like, what the, the second person, the second highest is getting paid. And he did not win Syria last year. And I mean, they're, they're, it's it's early. It is definitely early, but they have not had the return of results that they would have expected or anticipated. And there were grumblings <laughs> during the off season that Inter made part ways with Conte. So it's it's an interesting scenario. Especially yeah, if I was paying, if I'm paying someone twelve million dollars, you know, twelve million euros a year to finish fucking third in Syria, I'm not going to be happy either. How not to not to throw throw shade? How much does Sole get paid at United? Uh, I don't know. Let's. I can look that up though. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer salary. It's probably cheap. 
Oh no, nope, seven point five a year. <laughs> okay. Nope, three Still times. Well, that, 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 but that's the thing. I think that's probably why you have to pay Conti so much, is because of the current Serie A managers, he's the only one who has spent a significant amount of time coaching in the Premier League, and the money is just always he's, bigger he's than the Premier also League. Also, the only. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, that's one hundred. Also, of the active managers in Serie A, he may be the only one that has Serie A titles. Right, and so it's not just the the money and the experience he got in the Premier League for his spent at Chelsea. He also built a dynasty at Juventus. Sorry, I'm just thinking about how we pay Solskjaer 7.5 million a year to be like the seventh best team in England. So that's that's cool. Thanks for not throwing shade, man. A really dope way to start the podcast. Moving on to the Eredivisie, a league we rarely talk about, but we have to talk about this. Because this is, I would say, Eredivisie is the sixth best league after the traditional I, top five I leagues. Think, I think it's the league you and I respect the most, but talk about the least, right? Like, I think if you if you if you take about the the amount of time we spend talking about um, the Premier League, Serie A, and the Bundesliga, you can kind of gauge that we respect those leagues like the three most, and then Serie, uh, then La Liga. And then I think we actually respect the Eredivisie maybe more, at least personally, than I respect uh, La Liga. Or, I mean, I meant uh, Uber Eats League. Uh, um, I cannot respect I mean... a league that is called Uber Eats. <laughs> Uber Eats is what I get when I come home at 9 p.m. hammered and I have to order food and, like, I need to eat 25 pounds of pasta immediately or I'll die. That is what Uber Eats is. So, but, but what, you know, you, so of those, like, you know, of the the big five, the, the big four leagues plus the Uber Eats league that we that we talk about because they have more of the marquee players. You can just by the amount of time we give each league, kind of gauge where they fall. The two leagues that I think are the exceptions to that is the best league in the world, um, the Turkish Superliga, Obviously. and in the heavily underrated Dutch Eredivisie, which as we have lauded several times, is probably the best developmental league and not. Like not as a knock to it, like like that's the Dutch do a great job of identifying and, and enabling talent to grow and develop. Yes. Well, um, in a league match, Ajax beat VVV Benlo thirteen to zero, which is that is brutal. <laughs> that is brutal. a lot. 19-year-old uh, Lasina Traore had five goals and three assists. And obviously, in four years, this guy's going to play like for a bigger club. But that is just 13-0. That just had to be talked about. That's, I mean, there's, like, it had to be talked about, but at the same time, I have no words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, like, so, actually, like, no, it's funny you say you have no words because, go, go ahead. No, please, please. Sergio Reglion had no words when he said when he revealed <laughs> that Tottenham's training ground has several golf holes that were put in specifically to make Gareth Bale happy. <laughs> and this is the story that just keeps on giving. Oh, I mean, we're going to talk on Gareth Bale in a second because uh, I know there's a segment down the road for us to talk about the USA-Wales game. There was a clip of Bale in, in, in the stadium that we just have to address. Oh, we'll get yes. <laughs> so I just thought that that was funny. Um, coronavirus has struck the soccer world again, which I think is kind of obvious that it would. Uh, Mo Salah has gone down with the virus, so we wish him the best. Also, Croatia's captain, Vida. He said, he said, he said, 
Yeah, well, so Salah is they just announced he's had a second positive test. So I think that, you know, he, he tested positive earlier today and they rushed a secondary test to so like a double, know, confirmation. A double negative and, and it's, it's come back positive again. And then, yeah, I know you were just about to get to this, but, uh, in one of the, I think it was an international friendly going on, uh, <laughs> at halftime, Croatia learned that their captain Vita had tested positive and the Croatian, you know, FA immediately came out saying we've we've been following the rules and regulations to the to the letter, and that begs the question of how how is it okay to have a pending test with no known results and be like, yep, you're good to play. So apparently they tested everyone two days before the match, and then as an extra precaution, they test everyone the morning of the match. And I think the idea of testing it the morning of the match is to get the result before the match, not at motherfucking halftime. Yeah, like... <laughs> I now, get that, like, it's the, probably... It's not the Croatian team's fault that they didn't have the results back, but this is more about your protocols are shit if they do not provide for the most recent test to return results before the fucking match. And this goes to the larger issue and question that we have talked offline about how incredibly irresponsible it is to be having these international games where you are taking all of these players who are kind of decently isolated a little bit at least in their own pods, and then you are scooping some up jumbling them about and throwing them into like you're basically you're basically making like 30 different chilies with different beans and different sauces and you're grabbing beans from each each chili pot and sprinkling them in other, other chili pots it's like there's no way for you later to separate those chili beans out and put them back where they were without contamination i don't want to separate them i just want to eat that that sounds enjoyable for me and that's how you get coronavirus from chili good to know um Okay, now I have something a little bit... Okay, well, you know what? Let me get to the other not-so-fun news. Uh, Diego Maradona had a surgery to remove a brain clot, but by all accounts, the surgery went very well, and he's recovering, and we wish him... He's, he's been best. cleared to, to go home and, and to leave the hospital, so... Um, so yeah. we just, it, was, yeah. it was a scary moment there, but you know he's a legend of the game. He's larger-than-life figure, larger-than-life belly as well. Um, but we do, Diego, you know, we wish you all the best. Okay. Now back to a little bit of fun. I would not have gotten this if I didn't see it. Okay. There is only one player in the history of humanity, I don't want to speak for any aliens or other life we have out there, <laughs> who has either been the top scorer or top assist provider in the following competitions. He's at least been one of these things in the Premier League, the Bundesliga, La Liga, the Europa League, the Champions League, the European Championship, and the World Cup. Who is that top player? Goal, top goal scorer or top assist, assist provider? Yes. So we got Premier League, Bundesliga, La Liga. That's an interesting... The Bundesliga in there makes it interesting for me. Um, Europa League, Champions League, Euro, and World Cup. So I know he's European. <laughs> <laughs> Um, is he a, is he an active player? Yeah. Okay, so my Bundes his Bundesliga playing makes me think he was at Bayern Munich. 
okay. because I feel like the the players that hit both Bundesliga and La Liga are the players that that cross over between like Bayern and Barcelona or Real Madrid. Okay. Like you're thinking. Um, I could be. That could be way off on that. I know it's not this guy, but I can't get his name out of my head, so I'm just going to go with the homer pick, Tony Cruz. But I don't think he ever played in the Premier League. That doesn't make sense. He didn't play in the so Premier no. League. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Now, Shabby no. Alonso played for Liverpool in the Premier League, played for Bayern in the Bundesliga, and played for Real in La Liga, but yeah. it's not him either. Okay. And he's an active current player. Yeah. It's going to be like, it's, it's not going to be an obvious pick. Oh, like, no, 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 no. I was no, yeah. flabbergasted. Okay. As, was he a top assist provider in the most recent World Cup? I have no idea. And no. no. Actually, I do know. And the answer is no. Is he Croatian? No. I have no, I have no fucking clue. Mesut Özil. Oh, I forgot about him because he's been out of soccer for. He now. hasn't played, but he is an active player. He's not retired. Yeah. He plays, he's paid by a club. <laughs> Mesut Özil blew my mind. What an that's a good one. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I was like, there's no way, and then I was like. Oh no, there's a way. I guess I see that way now. I also, I also kind of just forgot about his stint in La Liga. Oh yeah, I just for kind of forgot about that. Yeah. Yep. yep. Alrighty. Mm. Now, we jump into the international break with a small focus on England and a huge focus, pretty much, on the United States of America. But Eric, there we have much seen this huge feud growing between Gareth Southgate the current English manager, and Jack Relish, one of the most attractive people on the, the face player, of the earth. The player he refuses to play in competitive competitions. Yep. In favor of Mason Mount. But what, But despite Jack Relish turning in great performances for England, great performances for Villa, by all accounts, great teammate, great locker room presence, incredibly good really looking, hot. why yeah. does Gareth Southgate hate Jack Relish? So you 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 gave me a heads up that you'd be asking this question. We haven't discussed it at all. We have um, not. My my initial theory was because there's a picture you showed me. Yes. Uh, um, was Jack Relish is taller than Gareth Southgate, and like, I was like, oh, that that could be it. But that doesn't track because clearly Southgate loves Harry Maguire, and Harry Maguire <laughs> just like dwarfs over Southgate, so that that doesn't apply. <laughs> I think he's, is he just jealous of how how much hotter uh, Jack Grealish is than Gareth Southgate? Look how ugly Gareth Southgate is. <laughs> he, he is he is not average. He is kind of borderline hideous. And I realize that it's like, why would he want a player on the team who's always a reminder that like like when like when Gareth Southgate goes home, he has to live with the fact that when the, him and his wife make love. His wife is thinking about Jack Relish. As am I when I make love as well. I'm also thinking of Jack Relish. Let's not lie. You think of John Terry. Don't 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 bullshit a bullshitter. <laughs> and that's why he hates him. He hates being reminded of the fact because it's not just how good looking Grelish is, 
but it highlights how disgusting Gareth Southgate physically looks. I I would disagree with you in the sense of like he looks disgusting. I feel like Gareth Southgate looks like the stereotypical kind of like uh, caricature of an Englishman in that like we're saying has... the same thing disgusting stereotypical character of an Englishman we're, <laughs> we're on the same page here buddy <laughs> he he has aspects of him that on somebody else would be part of an attractive man but for some reason the all the pieces together do not quite add up correctly yeah he looks like a serial killer was playing mix and match with a bunch of different parts <laughs> Yeah, that looks a little fucked up as far as I'm concerned. I also don't trust, like, I don't trust his, like, his, like, his vests and, and you know, and, like, the sweater vests and everything that he wears. I'm, I'm not about it. I think he's trying to be too dapper. Um, also, I I think I liked him more before he refused to play uh, uh, Grelish in any meaningful uh, minutes. So, he's just made an enemy for life. And, if Jack and Grelish doesn't start, platform. usually... At the Euros, I cheer for England to only to be disappointed disappointed in the quarterfinals. Um, but if it's Jack penalties. Grelish isn't a major part of the team, it's going to be hard to cheer for them. The only way I will is if Marcus Rashford is starting. But if both, if neither Rashford nor Grelish are starting, I'm out. I'm out. So I, I have no affinity for England generally, like, like in years past in in major you know international competitions. If if Rashford and Grealish are on the pitch, I will want I will want to watch them and I will want them to do well. But yeah, if if those guys are not on the pitch, then I'm sorry, Donnie, but I'll probably be pulling for some sort of like Harry Maguire tackles his own defender, uh, which leads the opponent's striker to score a goal kind of thing. Uh, only only for England though, not for not for any other scenario. Man, you are just uh, you are just throwing out shots left and right today. And you know, unlike I, unlike Zlatan I mean, on penalties, you're actually hitting the target. <laughs> Dude, Zlatan came out and said that he needs to give up penalty taking privileges. Because I was he's very not, surprised. His, his head's not in it. Good teammate move. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I, it was a great statement, but in the heat of the moment, when we are awarded the next penalty, I will, I will believe it when I see him give up the penalty taking abilities. Give them to Theo. No, uh, Franck Kessier, who was the designated penalty taker before Zlatan came and had an incredible, actually, uh, like hit record. So it should go back to Franck. Give him to Franck the Tonk. Yeah, baby. Um, okay, so let's. <laughs> I, I, I think that's all we had to talk about England, right? Uh, also, Grelich did have an assist. Uh, of course he did. In, yeah, in, in the most recent friendly. He's the magic man. So, um, in the, yeah. Let's. Uh, we have a segment that I'm actually excited to get to. Uh, we are, are subbing out the hot guy of the week for Wait, a little top ten playmaker. But but I was just teasing what was coming next, man. You know, like like coming up. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, let's uh, let's dive into the USA Wales game after a word from our sponsors. I'm just I'm just fucking with you guys. We don't have any Hi. sponsors. Are you having trouble getting your <laughs> dick hard? Well, that really sucks, and you should see a medical professional about that. And not anything advertised on any podcast. Because think about it. Do you really want to take pills you heard about on a fucking podcast? Back to you, Eric. All right. Hey, Donnie. So, um, we, uh, I don't know if that was an ad or more of a PSA, but I appreciate the, uh, 
public service Dude, I just blew our chance at Viagra ever sponsoring the pod, and honestly, that was the dream. Own Goal Podcast <laughs> brought to you by Viagra. Donnie, if the dream isn't Uber Eats to sponsor the podcast, then I don't want to be part of the dream. The Uber Eats pod, come on, uh, where we exclusively do not talk about the Uber Eats league. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we, we, we've been pretty outspoken about how pointless and irresponsible and stupid friendlies are in, in the current climate. And all that to say, man, I was really excited to watch some USA national team soccer. <laughs> it had been 260-something days. Since this we, is our second our second camp of 2020. Yep, we hadn't seen a game in a long, long time. And there's just something about seeing a bunch of people wearing your country's shirt and playing the most beautiful game in the world. It just gives you a little vigor and a bigger life, especially this squad of young talent playing in Europe. It was just... Playing, playing in some of the, the larger top clubs in Europe and, and also a lot of these players have been you know outspoken on on social justice matters important to them and, and so we kind of knew that it's not just players that, that we'd be excited to watch but that I was excited to see you know them how they can use their platform uh, and, and kind of some of the messaging that they they had incorporated and worked with the, the national team to kind of uh, display uh, during like the national anthem and stuff I was I thought that was really cool and just shows to me how in the moment these these kids are right there the i think the average age of our squad was less than 22 years old uh but these are guys that you know are meeting the moment and and you know we'll talk about the play itself and and what what that entailed but just everything before that and beyond that uh was really really great to see yeah and just a chant you know we called up some guys that have a lot of different options in terms of countries to go to. And so seeing those guys gel with this squad, this young squad, I really think that you keep this group together over the next few years, you're going to get a lot of return from it. Yeah. And I think, you know, let's, you know, if we can take, as you said, this really young squad and um, we've got a bunch of players that are, are hopefully, you know, continuing to break down some doors and make their names to these big clubs. Those should be staples of the team moving forward. And then we also know that, you know, in a year, in two years, there may be other currently unknown players that can break through and, and show us something. So, you know, if, if what we have now is the worst the team gets, I think we're in a great, great spot, right? I, I think there's a lot of upward mobility here. Absolutely. So two two things that I want to talk about before we jump in are, you know, the the original camp roster was announced. Uh, there were two people on there that we've talked about a lot that we're really excited about, and, and one's really well known, another is decently known uh, that had to withdraw from the camp. That would be Christian Pulisic, uh, who picked up that that last second kind of muscle injury, uh, I think a week and a half, two weeks ago, and then Josh Sargent, who's been steady starting like every game for Werder Bremen this season. Uh, he's healthy, but due to German like like some increased restrictions in certain areas of Germany, uh, he was not allowed to leave and re-enter the country. So he had to stay with Werder Bremen over the international break, um, which is a shame because I was knowing Christian was out sucked. Uh, but I was really excited to see Sargent 
in in the lineup to see how he could link up with play creative players like Giovanni Reyna. Uh, you know, I think we have a lot of creativity, especially when we look when Reyna, Pulisic are healthy. If way if Wea can get some minutes, and then you have a midfield that can kind of join the attack while also holding things down with Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney. Um, so Sargent as kind of that that more, I guess stereotypical hold up kind of target man who's able to link up with more creative players i thought would be a piece that i was really looking forward to seeing and was a little bummed that that he couldn't make it because he is healthy and and playing um and i think that actually showed itself in what we were lacking in the game yeah i think uh having sebastian legette up there was not so good i think you have a guy who's not really a number nine either yeah he's playing a false nine i think and this is obvious that his sock i mean and it's like just a byproduct of the league you play in like this you can tell that like there were passes that to a lot of people may have looked like oh the fullback or the midfielder like just passed it to no one but they no they didn't they passed it to where someone should have been to where the nine is supposed to be making the run exactly and that's what I, i think was kind of that kind of overall seems to be you know Obviously, this is a young team. They haven't played many games together. There were some issues of guys not knowing how to play together, chemistry issues. They had Some of them did not have 24 hours together before that game to even practice. Yeah. But that doesn't worry me. Um, Legette was a letdown, but, I mean, that's what it always was going to be. I think there's, you know, I still think that, like, there's nothing from what I saw in Wales that makes me think, like, oh, my God, like, puts me in a panic mode by any means. Um, and I'm still exactly where I was before that game where I'm just excited to see what these guys can do once they have some time to gel. Because like you yeah. said, I mean, we have a left back who plays, who's played the last six games for his club in the Premier League. He's like 21, 22 years old and Anthony Robinson. We have a right back who is always making the match 18 and is fighting for starting positions with Barcelona. And has start has started certain games at uh, in La Liga as well as in the Champions League for Barcelona, right? Yeah, we yeah. we have a center back who has the most clearances per game in the Bundesliga in John Brooks. We have another center and, back. And he has a and that center back has a goal scoring history in the World Cup. Yeah, we have another young center back who can also play fullback. Um, who plays for fucking Bayern Munich? Like, and his name is not his name is not Matt Miazga. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we have a goalie who plays backup at one of the best clubs in the world in Manchester City. I mean, that's just the back five, and I haven't even mentioned yeah. the cover have- behind them with like guys like Reggie Cannon, who has played every single minute in Portugal for his new club, and I mean, heck, DeAndre Yedlin, if he kind of figures out his playing situation. That's a guy who has experience for you, another option. Uh, well, it's not. And, and then we can move up up the pitch into, you know, a, 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 a midfielder who played several years as a key piece in Schalke and has just moved over to Juventus and is learning from Pirlo, a deep-lying mid, uh, midfielder, and also, you know, getting reps in with Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, we've got Tyler Adams, who is in a stacked and talented midfield unit at RB Leipzig. So he doesn't get necessarily, you know, 90 minutes every single game, but he's, he's learning from some really technically gifted and talent and tactically smart players like Emil Forsberg um, and, and some of those players. Yeah. And oh, and I mean, then, yeah. And then, and then, you know, up, up all the way up, we've got Giovanni Reyna, who's just the, the next, 
you know, young kid from Dortmund who's, oh, in a strike partnership with fucking uh, Erling Holland, one of the hottest and maybe one of the top strikers already at like 20 years old or whatever. Yep, not to mention that you got on the left there, you got Christian Pulisic who tears it up for Chelsea. I mean, we have Conrad De La Fuente who can play it on the wing, who's who's another guy who's, you know, starting to creep into Barcelona. He, I mean, with, with that, that knee injury to uh, uh, Ansu he, Conrad may be, you know, we don't, I don't, we don't like seeing injuries at all, but Conrad may, may have an opportunity here to, to get some, some legit minutes. Yeah, um, it's a, it's a really, you know, we have a great young core. This is the best core we have uh, in a while. Um, I have concerns, but I had these concerns before this game. This game didn't show me anything one way or the other. And I think that's what we can say the most about this game. It was a lot of hype yeah. for not a lot of reward. And it was clear it was a group of guys who had never really played together. Which, is that's okay. Yeah, That's what's going to happen. That's what the point of these international friendlies are. It's the truth. That's, that's exactly right. That's, that's, <laughs> that's literally the purpose of this, these camps and these friendlies. I think it's twofold. One is to... Uh, make a good recruiting pick to some of these dual nationals, right? Like, uh, you know, a guy that started that we haven't talked about, uh, Musa, who has, who's been logging minutes at Valencia and La Liga. You know, he has a couple of options that he could pick from, from a national team perspective. Uh, and, and bringing guys like Serginho Dest, who have already made his decision that he wants to continue playing moving forward with the U.S. national team, helping him kind of get, a little more engaged involved with with Musa. Also, you know, getting the core. I think the core pers- personality of the team, which I think is really driven by Tyler Adams and Weston McKinney, uh, yeah. getting them some face time with 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 with, with these dual nationals uh, and giving them their first cap to I think just more heavily entice them into uh, taking a call up when we get our first competitive game that they're eligible for. Um, those are the two things that I find helpful in these otherwise pointless friendlies yes yeah, someone made a point um that musa before the camp didn't follow a single u.s men's national team player on social media or the u.s men's national team and after the camp was following every single guy on the team by all accounts they were having a great rapport with them and that's good yeah they're they're there was there were some like videos of them all messing around with each other and, and I think he wished somebody a happy birthday the next day that was on the team and just just you know I think it it's a recruiting trip in a way and and I I like seeing that that we're doing that you know my my one concern that that we we have and that this has done nothing to take me out of is this was basically a a, a European camp right obviously Lejet got called in but. But Burhalter and the U.S. men's national team intentionally did not call any MLS players, not because they wanted to to focus on the European talent, but because they didn't want to interfere with MLS playoffs that are coming up. And that doesn't, you know, I think we would all agree that, especially when we're in some of these qualifying, you know, early stage qualifying matches and all these friendlies, let's let's get these young, really talented, promising European players on the pitch because. Those are our future. I still don't believe that MLS Greg believes that. Yeah, and I think that's the concern. And again, had this concern before the Wales game, so I have this concern. I don't know if he's the guy. I mean, I w- I'm going to give him some credit. He seems like he's been a pretty solid recruiter. And th- the way I'll say it is this, right? In college football, you have two types of coaches. You have the coaches who are great recruiters, 
but who aren't so good in the NFL because they aren't so good on their X's and O's. And you have coaches who are great on their X's and O's, but not necessarily the best recruiters. And then you have the elite coaches in college football who are good at both. Berhalter seems like he's a pretty good recruiter. I mean, Dest came over Berhalter during Berhalter's tenure. He's given out invites to all these guys who offers. He's doing a good job on that front. I can't say I have any issues with what he's done. But yeah, my uh, concern has always been with the X's and O's. Yeah, I, I have concerns with the X's and O's. I also have concerns not with Spike, the recruiting part of, of going to do nationals, but the talent decisions with who he wants to roster. Well, that's roster selection. Us. That's that, I think yeah. that's X's and O's. Roster selection, yeah. Okay, okay. I, I, that's fair. I, good point. I, I, I think when I say X's and O's, I'm thinking of like, what is your Just tactical in-game tactics. With, yeah, yeah, yeah. What are your tactics? Which like, I don't think he's great. You know, I, I, I don't have good a good take on his tactics, but more importantly, I don't like his roster management, roster selection. His, yeah, his personal but, yeah. decisions are poor. So um, real quick, we before we, I mean, I don't know how much time you don't want to spend on this, but I, you know, we haven't we haven't talked U.S. like U.S. men's national team in a while. Um, I, I, you know, we've we texted back and forth a lot. I would just love to go over our our ideal uh, lineup with the original squad that was listed. So basically, including Sergeant and Pulisic, had they been eligible or able to join and play, what what was your ideal lineup? Uh, I'm going scrolling through our text because I texted it to you. It was a back four, if I remember correctly, of... Okay, well, I don't know where it is. It was um, back four, uh, Stefan in goal, right back was Reggie Cannon, left back was Anthony Robinson, Brooks, and Chris Richards from Bayern Munich were the center backs. In the midfield, I had a uh, triangle of Weston and Tyler Adams in the holding midfield roles, but Weston given a little bit more freedom to go up. Tyler Adams, more of your stay-at-home midfielder. Gio Reyna playing behind a front three of... I had Serginio Dest playing on the right. I had Josh Sargent playing a striker, and I had Pulisic on the left. Yeah. I believe that was one squad that I had. And, and my squad was pretty similar. Uh, we had, I think, one big difference. So, you know, if you want to call it a, a four-two-three-one or a four-three-three, it it's it's all the same on where you are when you have the ball versus where you are when you don't have the ball, really. Yeah. Uh, but back four of Anthony Robinson, left back, uh, John Brooks, your center back. Chris Richards, center back, Sergio Dest, right back. So that was the one difference that we had. I, I want I want Dest in his natural position, um, and then Zach Steffen as our uh, keeper because obviously. Although I'm 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 still I'm still uh, I've got stock in Ethan Horvath. Uh, oh, I know you do. Not necessarily not necessarily to like over overtake uh, Steffen, but to be I think a capable backup at least. Yeah. Um, Brad Guzan so was a my... very very capable backup to Tim Howard for years. A very capable yes. backup. It was a little unfortunate for Guzan when it was his turn to kind of step up. Uh, the team also kind of started sucking. <laughs> like well, the the well, team in front of him. And, I, and I'll and i make this point later. I just think the team in front of him was getting old, man. Yeah, yeah. And that's why we got to go down uh, now, but not, we'll, we'll talk about that in a sec. My, my, my midfield three, and like you can – so this is more of, of two holding mids, and then the, the third mid is more of a central attacking mid, mm. and it's McKinney and Adams – 
as like a holding duo partnership. You know, if you've been watching some Serie A lately, um, Asair and Franck Kessier have a incredible kind of chemistry and relationship in that, that holding duo where one of them is always joining the attack and usually one is staying back. Sometimes they'll both go up, you know, when someone's sit, sitting really deep to help unlock, but they're also always being very conscious of their defensive cover. And I think Weston and, and Tyler have the, the motor, the, the athleticism, but more importantly, like the, the understanding of the game and the, the skills to provide both offensive and defensive coverage. Uh, then a little further up, kind of in the, that creative offensive hole, I've got Giovanni Reyna. Um, right now, I know he plays a lot more uh, on the wing for Dortmund, but if you, you know, when watching his games, he kind of floats around in and out. They all kind of interchange uh, the way that I feel like Dortmund attacking often, often is. So I think he's got the, the ability to link up and connect fullbacks, midfield, and strikers. And then my, my front three, I've got Pulisic on the left wing, Sargent up as your as your nine, you know, top striker, and then I've got Weah, uh, tip yeah, Tim Way, Tim Way. Sorry, on the on the the white the right wing, kid just needs to get some minutes. Like he's been, he's he fought back from a lot of injury issues last year. Has not been able to crack the starting lineup. He's gotten just like I think garbage time minutes for Lille, and I thought this would have been the perfect opportunity for him to get like a good at least 60, 70 minutes. So I, I hated seeing him. I had to wait till the second half to come on. Yeah, and I, yeah. And with the Panama game, I'm hoping we see like guys like Chris Richards and Reggie Cannon and um, Tim Weah. I'd like to see them get some more PT in the Panama game. Yeah, and like, like I mean, as much as I love seeing uh, McKinney and Adams, you know, play and and play together, I would not be upset if like they we sacrifice some of their minutes to get some of these other guys yeah, well, like, I'd, I'd like to I agree keep... because it's obvious that those are going to go those two guys are going to be in the starting 11 they're the staple they're, they're two of the staples right yeah. like you've got I think you know unquestionably you've got Stefan you've got McKinney you've got Adams and you've got Pulisic and I throw in uh, I throw in John Brooks too I, I I would as well but we have seen Brooks uh, miss camps because of injury I mean, same with Pulisic, I guess. So yeah, um, but yeah, I, I agree. Brooks is is, is an automatic um, for this this next cycle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I um, I agree. So I have a question for you, or just a discussion point. With this, now there's a lot to be enthusiastic about with this young group, this young this young personnel group we have right now. Do you have any concerns? Yes. And what are some of those bigger concerns that you have? <laughs> <laughs> um, let's take, you know, we just listed the, those core, what, five of Brooks, Pulisic, McKinney, Adams, and Stefan. Mm. With the exception of Stefan, all those, the four outfield players we've named have all had, you know, not necessarily major, but at least they've had like decent time missed to injuries. All four of them. Like when Weston was playing at Schalke, uh, I think it was two seasons ago, his second last season, he missed a good chunk, like uh, a couple of months, not not successively, but chunk a chunk early, a chunk mid, and a chunk late. 
with some like ankle and knee issues. Tyler Adams missed, you know, got a late start to the season last year because he wasn't healthy at the start of the start of the of the campaign. We all know Pulisic's injuries. Uh, Brooks, as I mentioned, is you know during the last round of qualifying where we didn't make the the World Cup, he was absent for several games because of back and knee injuries. I'm I'm worried about about injuries with with this really talented core group. We talked about how. These are a bunch of young guys who have not played together. The only way that they're going to be able to unlock like team potential and, and have that develop into results is if they can build chemistry. Yeah. And if we have players that are constantly constantly out and missing with injury, that's my that's my biggest concern. And I agree with that as being a big concern. And I would hyper focus that specifically. That's my always has been my biggest concern about Pulisic. And yep. that, it's not something you want to be in a position with about your team's best player. Um, but yeah, that that that's a concern. The the if if I had to have a secondary concern, it's who are our goal scorers. That's 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 my uh, that's a like that's if, a we're, if, if we're if we're getting outside of just like the injuries, which there's less control over. It's who are our goal scorers because like I've been singing the praises of Josh Sargent and and he's not a, you know he's not a goal scoring striker at least not yet for for Werder Bremen. He's got great hold up play, link up play. He helps them relieve the pressure. He helps them connect some of their playmaking uh, wingers and and midfielders. Uh, he doesn't really have he's not getting the goals, but he's doing everything else that you'd love to see, kind of like an Olivier Giroud type player. The thing is, a Giroud type player really works. When you have you know goal scorers like Griezmann before he uh, lost all of his abilities. Also, Griezmann is easily the front runner for the uh, Space Jam Award of player who got all of his talent sucked away. Oh yeah, uh, and Jao <laughs> Felix might be the front runner of the player who got it all because he has been very impressive. And and he took it, you know yeah. And it's yeah. at Atletico, which kind of Atletico, yeah, exactly. Which yeah, which means was Griezmann ever good, or was it just that position at Atletico? Yes, yeah, system player. Diego, system player. So, Cristiano Ronaldo, so, system player. You know, I, I, I actually wouldn't be surprised, and, and I haven't been following him since, like, the World, you know, the we missed out on the World Cup, but, like, I, don't be shocked to see Josie Altidore continue to get minutes. Uh, I, I, would, the, I agree US. with that. When I think of, like, teams that win World Cups and teams that do well at World Cups, Teams that make it to the quarterfinals and semifinals of World Cups. They all have usually multiple strikers who score. Let's go, you know, we can start. Let's look at, let's look at, let's look at Croatia, who's, who outperformed, and they're not a traditional power. They had Mandzukic, they had Perisic, they had Rebic. Those guys score. Those guys score goals. They also had midfielders who were able to, you know, Modric, Kovacic, um, Rakitic, who are also able to, you know, knock goals in. If you look at 2014 Germany, you have Thomas Müller, who's always going to score. 2010 Spain may only get one, but David Villa scores. Look at England right now. Harry Kane, Jamie Vardy, Rashford. Marcus Rashford, all of those guys score. They are regular goal scorers. Since Clint Dempsey, who do we have as our striker? Who okay, that guy will squ- like, like Clint Dempsey. Like Clint Dempsey could could get you one when you're playing bad and he just gets a good bounce and he's right where he needs to be and he hits it in. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
who's going to be – we don't have a goal-scoring striker besides having to go back to Altador, which, you know, okay. I mean, That's a uh, run, running, running up until the 2014 World Cup when he got hurt, he was in great form and was scoring – then he wrecked his hamstring. He wrecked our World Cup chances. Uh, we had to play Chris Wondolowski. Uh, the rest was history. But since that 2014 World Cup, Altador has not done it. You know, I, I mean, not he's he's getting older too. He's also in MLS, not not in the competition that I want to see him in. Uh, so I I agree. And I think when healthy, Pulisic is a creative force and he will, he can convert goals. I mean, that guy can score goals like he did against some of the top teams in the premier league. He's going to be able to score against CONCACAF teams and against teams on the international stage. But once again, it's a big, that's one player. That's one player who we cannot always bank on being healthy, at least as we've seen right now. Um, And I would say this is a, a third concern I have, and this is just kind of where the talent happens to be is that I feel that there's a huge age gap in our team in that either the players that, you know, of the past are all in their mid-30s. Mid-30s, Or yeah. everyone is, like, early 20s. And besides, like, Brooks is 27, and Yedlin is about that age, too. Maybe Yedlin's 26. But we don't have many guys right between 24 and 29, which is 24 and really 30 now because I feel like the um, – off-field techniques have improved so much that players, outfield players do get a little bit. Nutrition, recovery, yeah. workouts. But we yeah. don't have a lot of our top players that are between 24 and, that, like, and 30. That, and that, like, that glue age, yeah. And now, granted, this is a problem that will literally be solved in a couple of years <sighs> when these young guys just go into that age. But right now, we're out of this awkward stage where it's like, you know, we had a friend made a comment, well, I don't want to play an under-23 under team every game and I, I appreciate that comment because I think it points out this kind of age disparity but I'm of the opinion that I'd rather get these guys playing together for a couple years so when they are in that prime time they are firing yeah. on all cylinders as a unit we're not gonna here's, we're not gonna be my successful oh, with with these guys because player for player we are better than other teams in the world but we can be successful with these guys because these guys are good and have talent, but more importantly, they have learned to play together as a team. So, I I think a if we look at like U- U.S. teams that have been successful internationally in the past, it is that that team camaraderie and chemistry and commitment is there beyond the you know the competition. When we went on that run where we kind of you know over half a decade or so dominated Mexico, uh, we Mexico oftentimes had a more talented roster. But we had a better, a better collective, a better unit. Uh, we haven't had that as much in the past, and that's why Mexico has kind of pushed back and, and punched us in the mouth a couple of times. Um, I actually think USA Mexico, especially with this new crop of players, is going to be really fun and exciting to watch uh, down the road. But one thing I want to say is like I think it comes down to your expectations, right? For me, my expectations is it's not a given, but we absolutely have to qualify for you know every world cup moving forward including 2022 like that's a, that's an absolute must uh but i'm not expecting us to win 2022 i'm not expecting us to get to the semifinals in 2022 i'm expecting us to push and make it out of the group stage and i would like to see us you know take one or two knockout rounds if we can right get to the quarters if possible i'd love to see us you know obviously i want to see us go further than that but like 
making it out of the group stage is is what I'd say is 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 what yeah, you're not going to gonna go from missing the World Cup in one of the easiest regions to qualify versus to making to winning the World Cup. You got to yeah, take some baby she, steps in there. But like, so it, it's we got to qualify, and if we qualify, when we qualify, I want to see us make it out of the group stage. That, yep. That's like what I have as as my expectations for 2022. I know they're young. I know they don't have a lot of experience, but. A, I think this team is talented enough to qualify for the World Cup. I think so. Um, also, if they are not good enough to qualify for the World Cup, then I think they may not be the right collective unit moving forward anyways, right? You know, I think there is, there is you know, getting older, getting more experience, doing that chemistry is, is good, but... I want I want I want this young unit with you know with some other additions and some maybe MLS and some maybe older you know sprinkled in there but I want the core of our qualifying 2022 group to be a majority of players we saw yesterday. Yeah. Um I think that's a good little uh, little bit on the US. I we've talked about our feelings on Greg Bolhorthler. I feel like that'll be beating a dead horse. I mean, he hasn't really had a chance to Hasn't really had, I mean, he hasn't played a lot of games. Again, I don't think he's, I think we're going to end up being right about him, but I hope he proves us wrong. I'd be happy to be wrong, but also, you know what? If he's a placeholder until we get, like, you know, until gearing up for 2026 cycle, we take Jesse Marsh, who I think is a great tactician who goes at, his teams go at their opponents, and that guy fires up his players. Like, have you seen some of his, yes. like, halftime yes. uh, talk? He gets me fucking amped. I would be so stoked. Like, let's you know what? Let's let's see let's see this next season either Dortmund or Leipzig, who I think one of or, or if not both are going to have coaching positions open. Let's see uh, one of those two take Jesse Marsh. Uh, he has a good four year stint, and then USA bring brings him for the 2026 USA hosted uh, World Cup with this crop of talented players. Yeah, that's my goal. Yeah. Now I, I I know you're trying to take us away from the USA talk, so I will I will uh, digress. Well, we just have a lot of other other things to talk about. So let's see let's see what happens with Panama, and um we'll 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 touch a little bit on it uh, next pod to kind of recap Panama a little bit. Um, so Eric alluded to this earlier. We four four two came out with their top ten playmakers. And we decided we wanted to make our own top 10 playmakers with the like, kind of the agreed to rules that we both stuck to was that the playmaker could not be the team's like primary goal scorer in that it was not their job yeah. to be a primary goal scorer. Like Messi, for example. Like, oh yeah, Messi's the best playmaker in soccer, but he also has to his, score his, like his 30 role, goals. His, his role in this Barcelona team is goal scorer. You know, last yeah. season... When they had Suarez, you could definitely claim Messi is more of the playmaker. And then seasons passed when it was Suarez and Neymar, Messi was 100% playmaker, who still scored goals. Uh, so, like, a playmaker can be a goal scorer. Yes. But if this person's primary uh, kind of feature function is to score the goals, then we decided to, to, to withhold them, which is going to be, uh, I think, contentious when I submit somebody uh, that I'm going to have uh, kind of argue my way into but but we'll get to that in a second um so we had that that role i also just from my list if 
I, I was only taking the top playmaker from each team. So, you know, it's going to be no secret that I have Kevin De Bruyne on my list, which automatically eliminated any other Manchester City player, right? I have somebody from Liverpool, which automatically eliminated any other Liverpool player for me. Uh, that, that was like my role for not, but not for both of us. Yes. I uh, have two players who do play for the same team. I didn't abide by that is it, rule. Is it two players from Bayern Munich? 1000%. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So do you want to go like back Let's and forth? Let's go 10, 10, 9, 9, 8, 8. Yeah. Okay. 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 I'll, okay. I'll go first. I'll kick us, I'll kick us off. Okay. I, I unsurprisingly have, I think, several homer picks in uh, in, in my list. Uh, two of these homer picks are United States-based, and at least one of these homer picks is non-USA-based. Okay. And I'm giving you that disclaimer now because my 10th playmaker on my list, who made it the four, on the 4-4-2 list, uh, I thought it was a bold pick, but actually it made sense when I thought about it, it was Giovanni Reina. Okay. Gio Reyna and is a the, good choice. He did not make my list. And, and like, you know, if being completely objective, I, I can see uh, criticism with, with me putting him here. He's very young. He just turned 18, like, I think today or yesterday. Uh, he hasn't played all that much. But when you think about, honestly, who has the best connection and chemistry with, with Dortmund's top goal scorer, goal machine, Erling Holland, it is 100% Giovanni Reyna. I believe Reyna has assisted Holland on more goals than any other teammate has assisted Holland uh, this season. I could be I, that could be a completely made up stat, but they seem to have a really strong connection. And I think when Reyna's in the game, Dortmund is much more uh, potent offensively than they yeah. are when they replace him with fucking Julian Brandt, who I cannot understand. If Brandt wasn't German, he would be playing in like the he would be playing in the, the Turkish Super League. Uh, so he must be really good then. <laughs> um, my number ten is German, and it's Kai Havertz. I think what he was doing last season was incredibly impressive, and I think he's hitting stride at Chelsea, and he's starting to do the same for them in the Premier League. Um, I did not pick any other Chelsea player. I have a feeling Christian Pulisic. We'll come up on your list, but um, I got, I've got to go with Kai Havertz. Havertz, I, I, he was in contention. He did not make my list be, for two reasons. One, I wanted Reyna on there. And two, and, and more realistically, he was ineligible because I put somebody else higher you know, from mm-hmm. Chelsea, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not d- double-tapping. Um, and I think what you talked about with – his performance last year in the Bundesliga, um, that that would that was kind of why I was considering him in the first place. But if I was considering his last year performance, that also made Pulisic's performance last year eligible as well. And to do that in a tougher league in the uh, in the Premier League over the Bundesliga, we'll get to that in a second. Who's your number nine? Uh, my number nine is Jaden Sancho. It's a good pick. Um. I think this guy has so much talent, and I think when he is healthy and he's playing for Dortmund, I think Reyna is a better player for it. I think Holland's a better player for it. I think he creates so much space. I think he has so much skill, performing well for England, um, just scored for England, I think. And so I just I think he's going to leave Dortmund, and I think wherever he goes, he's going to be incredibly successful. I think he's a really good player. 
I I honestly, you know, I could have put Sancho or Reyna on here. I think they both actually make fair arguments. Reyna's uh, Sancho's been a little more established. He's yeah. a little older. He's got you know his his physical. I think what he brings physically to the game is is much better than what Reyna has. So you know, I'm not trying to compare them, but I am comparing them. I think. All three of those three make each other better when we're on the pitch. I think you can't go wrong with either, either two of them. Yeah. Yep. All right. My 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 number nine, maybe my most homer of picks on this list, and it's not an American. Thomas Rodriguez. He didn't make my list. I I I didn't think he'd make anybody's list, but he was third on four four two's list. Jaimez? I sw- I'm going to look it up right now, but I swear he was up there. I'll be honest. I threw their list out when uh, KDB wasn't number one. <laughs> Spoiler alert. That was tough. That was fucking wild. Was he really? He was very high up there. Like, I, I'm not. Uh, holy shit. Hold on. He was third. I was right. Wow. He okay, was, so. He was above. There was. I. I, okay, I, 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 I didn't realize that. I, I think when Hamas is healthy and when like Everton have Richarlison, uh, whose <laughs> speed is critical, his speed, his speed is like, like without without his speed, they're a slow team. I know. I just uh, like the qualifier. When Hamas is healthy, and when he has Richarlison, it just made me laugh. Well, when, when he doesn't have Richarlison, but he's playing for uh, Colombia, he's he's equally as good. But yes. when he, when he's got. When he has a you know speed on, on, on his team, uh, he can whip that ball around with that left foot like few can. Some some can do it as good or better, and they're on on this list. But uh, honestly, I don't know if there's anybody I enjoy watching. I, there's one person on my list I enjoy like I enjoy watching more. There's only one person on my list, and he's number two. And we'll get to him in a little bit. Oh, he's number um, two on your list. <laughs> um. All right. Who's your number? Think, who, yeah. Who, I'll, I'll, who's your Ocho? My Ocho is. I'd be open to to like hear arguments on this one. Um, this man prevented Trent Alexander Arnold from being eligible uh, because he comes from the same team. I put Sadio Mane as my eighth eighth best playmaker uh, in 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 the sport right now. Great pick. Uh, I was never going to pick a Liverpool player, but great pick. Yeah, and and, and here's here's where where I kind of came down from. If you when you watch Liverpool play, um, mostly because like you and I do, because we're watching them try to lose. Nobody disappoints me more by being so consistently good than Sadio Mane. It's it's always him who who helps Liverpool break the levy and, and, and take the lead or equalize. And not always from a goal-scoring perspective, but he's the one that links that midfield up uh, with the strikers. He's the one that links the, the fantastic ball from Robertson or, or, or Trent Alexander-Arnold so that Firmino, Jota, or uh, Salah can, can actually finish it off. I think Salah is that team's designated goal scorer. Therefore, that's why Mane qualifies, even though he is a goal scoring player. Roberto Firmino is not Liverpool's designated goal scorer. <laughs> not when he's going to be in the bench in three weeks because of Diego Diogo Jota. Uh, I, I, so I think I think Mane, like you could argue, he's a goal scorer, so he wouldn't be eligible. But he's not the goal scorer for Liverpool, and I think he is 
for that fluid attack, he's the most critically important on linking everything. I think together. he's their most dynamic offensive player, without a doubt. I think it's a great pick. It's not on my list, but I don't. It's still a great pick. I mean, I think when you talk about the top twenty, I think positions like, I think there's a lot of fluidity in the top twenty, and I think all the guys have been mentioned. I think go in the top twenty. Um, That's fair. Yeah. My number eight, eight might be my most controversial pick. Probably my second most controversial pick. But Jao Felix is my number eight. I like that. Uh, I, I think last season he had a little bit of problems adjusting to an Atletico Madrid system that didn't play with the fluidity he was used to playing at when he was playing in Portugal. <laughs> but if you look at... You mean when, uh, under under Diego Simeone's yes. like, lockdown defense, dark magic? Yeah. And plus, yeah. Um, but if you look at what he's done this season already, he's matched all his numbers from last season already. He looks heck just so good when he plays for Portugal. And I think he's going to really be a star. I think Atletico has always had a great eye for getting young talent, and I just don't see them spending the money on someone who's going to be a flop. And I've watched him recently and just has impressed. You know, you have those guys who you're like, this guy, like sometimes with Raheem Sterling, for example, he's a really good player, but it feels like he almost always makes the wrong decision. In the <laughs> And then you, and then Jao Felix is like, oh, he's making some good decisions. And um, – I think, like, you know, I, I can't say I necessarily use the same consistent factoring because he had, like, I had, like, Kai Havertz had a great last season at Leverkusen, and Jao Felix had not a good last season. But it's, like, I just kind of, this is kind of my list of these are the guys that I think are the top ten kind of starting, yeah. like, going forward based on what I've seen. And because you and I are not super stat-driven, right, in terms of, like, who's making positive impacts, it, there there is always some sort of eye test of, like, from a playmaker's perspective, who do we enjoy watching, right? That That's why Hamas is on my list, because yeah. he brings he brings joy to, to me watching him play. Sadio Amani does not bring me joy, but that's because he breaks my heart, yeah. uh, which is almost the same thing, but the opposite. Uh, so I, I think I think Felix is, is a great pick. He did not make my list. Um, no surprise. But I think that's – I think that – that he's definitely up there and you could definitely say that I should have put him there instead of, you know, somebody that I, I, I picked and I, I think disagree, but accept. Yeah. I, I don't, uh, unless like some, like one of us puts like something like, like Harry Maguire on the list or something like that. I think these are all guys where it's like, like every single guy you've said, none of the three have been on my list, but all of them were like, not like they were not picks that were like, I, I can't believe they picked that. I was like, Oh yeah. Like not on my list, but I think that's a really good pick. Um, so my number seven yeah. is Hong Min Son from Tottenham Hotspur. And I yeah. think this season he's starting to get the credit he deserves, but he's been doing this manager. doesn't matter who the manager is year after year after year. He is definitely not the team's primary goal scorer, but he scores. He gets assists. He literally does everything. And this is going to be a weird thing to say, but I think soccer has something about Asian players. Cause I feel like if he were a white English dude, or a European, or a European, like, like if he if he was if he was a Spaniard, yeah, exactly. He'd be getting a, way more praise than he does. But we may not be Ray, super... Real, Real Madrid would have already bought him for at least a hundred hundred million euro. Yeah, if, and, and if I really do was, feel that way. Was, I really yeah. do feel like there's something about Asian soccer players that it's just like, I don't know. But this guy can flat out ball, 
I think he's an incredibly good player and, and an even better human being. Um, I think he's su- like like similar to Sadio Mane. I think he is a super dynamic player. He's always making shit happen for Tottenham. I think he's criminally underrated and not talked about enough. And um, yeah, Hung yeah, Son. And, and we, we've we've been we've been high on on Son for for years. Yes, uh, I don't I, think you know, we just... we suffer from this Asian bias that the <laughs> soccer world does. I'm not accusing us of that. Yeah, I no, just no, think no, the I, soccer as a, like, as a whole. We've been we've been seeing his praise for a while, and even back before he had like when he was more of a super sub, you know, used by Tottenham, which you know we never really understood back then either. Um, like I'd rather have this guy in the field than Erickson, uh, who can't run. Um, but I think you touched on that, like being an even better person. There's something about watching how much he seems to love playing soccer that makes it even more fun to watch. Yeah, like right? on one so spectrum he, you have Andy Carroll, and, and on the other spectrum you have Son <laughs> who hates soccer. Yes, those are literally the best. Andy Carroll hates it, and Son loves it. I think more than anybody else. Like I see him play, and it's like, oh, that's exactly I think how he played when he was a kid playing for fun, like you know, pickup games. Um, my number seven is Christian Pulisic. I think the flash in the pan that we saw was not a flash in the pan considering he was able to maintain that performance from the entire restart all the way till his injury in the FA cup final where he did score. I I think just, you know, he, he was heavily involved as a goal scorer for Chelsea last season, but in this Chelsea team, that goal scorer mantle definitely falls on Timo Werner. And I, I think Christian Pulisic's speed and creativity on the wing, linking up with Timo Werner's creativity is going to cause havoc for defenses when he's healthy. Uh, so that's my homer pick, Christian Pulisic. I will fight to the death on that one. Also, um, I should have talked about it with Son. Son was ineligible for my list because I designated him as this season Tottenham's goal scorer. Nah. He just because he's outscoring their prime. I don't think he's their primary goal scorer. I think you ask a hundred people, a hundred out of a hundred say Harry Kane's uh-huh. their pri- He happens to be scoring more goals at the moment, but he is not their primary can goal I, scorer. Can I tell you why? Nope. Why he happens to be scoring more goals? Because <laughs> I will never listen. Because Harry, because Harry Kane is being asked to take the playmaker role. Harry Kane this season is being by, by Jose Mourinho doing the classic Mourinho thing. Let's get Harry Kane less focused on scoring goals. He's still going to knock them in and score, but Mourinho is asking Harry, and Harry is doing it, dropping a lot deeper, taking possession, linking up with Son, and Harry Kane is the designated playmaker for Tottenham Hotspur. More on that. More on that higher up the list. Fuck off. Who's your number six? <laughs> My number six is uh, somebody that I don't think our five listeners are going to be as aware of. Uh, he plays uh, not in the Premier League, doesn't play in La Liga. Does he play in Serie A? Uh, he plays in Serie A. We may have the same number six. He does not play for the traditional powerhouses. Doesn't same play with for mine. Milan, Inter. He does play for Atalanta. Same with mine. My guy, my little guy, Papu Gomez. Yep, that's my number six too. He is so exciting to watch. So good. Um, you know, Duvon Sabata is the designated goal scorer for Atalanta, and that's a team unit of like an offensive team unit. You know, there's 
every piece is is critically important, but no piece is more important than the fulcrum of Papa Gomez, who is, I think, constantly linking up the different levels, but also putting in those final uh, those final balls. And also, I think if we tracked hockey assists, right, the assist to the assist, he'd have to be near the top. Yep. I like that. I, I'm not a, no point for me to repeat everything you just said, same player. I mean, the fact that he has like, he has a lot to do with the fact that Atalanta had made this huge leap in Syria. They're like, to me, they're like the Leicester city of Syria almost. And, um, yeah, I'm not, nothing for me to add there. So I'll give you my number five. I think he's a lot, he's, it looks like he's number two on your list, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, Jack Relish, the dude is, I can't. I can't wait to see the who you have at four, three, and two over Jack. But yeah, say what you're gonna say. Sorry. I mean, the guy when he has the ball at its feet, I'm on the edge of my seat every time because he can make something happen at any given time. He is so talented. He his his ability to pass, his ability to create. I mean, he's just. Teams have to literally game plan just around him. And, I mean, he can dribble, pass, score. I mean, he, he's a trip. He's hot as shit. He's a quadruple yep. threat. And, you know, I think, you know, if we were to, to have done this last season, he would have been ineligible for this list. Last season, he was their designated goal scorer. He was their primary goal scorer. But with the with the, the acquisition of Ollie Watkins, Ollie, Ollie, Ollie. who who oi 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 who is he he is that that you know we talked about several times uh villa because we wanted to talk about grelish that we needed to see them bring in some talent and people to step up to relieve the pressure so it wasn't just jack 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 and with broccoli rob and and ollie watkins they have stepped up to provide those release valves watkins up front as the true striker is that designated goal scorer you know with his hat trick against liverpool and uh and he's scored i think recently as well against arsenal um he's he's made that step which allows grelish to be eligible for this list as a playmaker and not a goal scorer oh is it is it my turn for my number five yes so before before I throw you my number five, you have one, two, three, and four left. I know who number one is. Um, I know that two of of three, four, and or two people within two, three, and four are from uh, Bayern Munich. Yes. My my question is the the unknown that I don't know. They're not in the Premier League, are they? Yes. Okay, I I thought we would be aligned that. Uh, Grelich was the second best playmaker in the Premier League. That that's just why I was asking. There is another Skywalker. Yeah, it's it, it's a it's a United pick, isn't it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I stayed very quiet about Homer picks because I just saved mine for way higher up the list. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll we'll get there. Sorry. Uh, so my number five uh, is on your list. I know for a fact has not been said yet. Uh, Bayern Munich, and he is the right back to make my, the fullback to make my list. This is Yasuo Kimmich. Oh, yes. Is it on your list? Oh no 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 no! He is on my list. He okay. is <laughs> okay. Way on my list. <laughs> I, I I I what when we talk about Bayern Munich? How many times do we talk about Bayern Munich and not find an excuse to talk about Kimmich? I think never. 
never. We we always you know, uh, and in fact, I'm wants... not. While he's hurt, I don't. Not, I have no intention of talking <laughs> about Bayern Munich. What's the fucking point, right? Um, I love this. Yo, he's he's made it. He made he did the Philip Lom move. Uh, the talented fullback who's transitioned into like a, a midfield playmaker. He, if we're talking hockey assist, he, oh. he he's either high. He's high on assist. He's also very high on hockey assist. Oh, baby. You know, I, I, he's fun to watch. He he gets that ball, you know, from that that deep line uh, midfield out wide quickly, so that somebody like Mueller can put an easy ball into Lewandowski or Serge or, Gnabry. Or he'll get Gnabry. He'll get Gnabry on out 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 wide in a place where he can beat a defender and, and whip a, a shot or a cross in. Uh, his play kind of reminds me of of young Tony Cruz when when he was incredibly underrated and we were like, why don't people understand how good this guy is? So good. I think I think Kimmich has more of a profile than Cruz did at this point in his career. Mm-hmm. I think it's in part because he's literally following the Philip Lom uh, trajectory. Same position movements in club and country. Um, but I don't want to say too much more because I want you to have time to talk on him when he's when we get to him on your list. Yeah. So that was my number five. Have you given your number five? Yeah. Yeah, Grealish. So it's now time for my number four, which is going to be on your list. My number four is Bruno Fernandez. That's all I'm going to say because I want you to have all of the room to talk about Bruno when he's when we get to him. Who's your number four? Thomas Muller. Yeah. I think that at his age. He is still such a big part of Bayern Munich and Germany. I think he creates so much for Lewandowski. Lewandowski is obviously the primary goal scorer on that team. There's no doubt about that. And what, I mean, Mueller just creates so much and he, and his body is awkward and long. It's so awkward. But he is so good with the ball. He creates so much space. He, Great soccer IQ, and it's just like, I just, I had to put him, you know, if yeah. I had done the one team thing, then he was not the guy I would have picked from Byron if I had to pick just one for their playmaker, but, you know, just because he had plays with another really good playmaker, I don't, I didn't want to take away from what he's been doing for years, and the crazy thing is, I think he's so old in my mind, and he's only 31. He's not, though, right? It's, it's crazy. Like, I think of him, like, at, like, Ronaldo's age, like, 35. But he's only 31, and he just he keeps the sign. I think of a great player overall is reinventing your game, and he's reinvented himself from a striker to now an attack from to a winger to an attacking mid. He just he's constantly reinventing himself and finding value. Here's my rebuttal. There, I don't know. I agree with everything you said, and like the I agree that he's a he is probably a top 10 playmaker in the world. But my we also agree that Kimmich is higher up that list. Therefore, mm-hmm. he was ineligible for me. I don't think he's actually – I don't think it's been much of reinventing. I think his incredible goal-scoring record in at a young age painted him as this, like, elite top striker. I think he's always been more of a creative uh, out wide or, or even attacking mid uh, who, with the system and the talent around at that Germany squad, he was able to, to score goals. But I don't think that was ever his, like, primary top skill set. It's just what, what fit that squad the most. And now I, – I, so I think because 
he's less of a goal scorer, and obviously everybody defers to Lewandowski, as they should, from a goal scoring perspective. I think he's a little under the radar now, and people are like, what happened to him when he's actually continuing to, to play at an excellent level? Yeah. Yep, so that is my number four, good sir. All right. Um, who's your number three? My number three is your number four, Bruno Fernandez. Um, he's Manchester United's best player. Um, I think Rashford's a close second, but he does everything for that team, and including as I found out against Everton, track back and make defensive plays. And I think yeah. the number one quality of Fernandez that I like the most is he's he's such a fearless player. No matter how difficult a pass may be, he still tries to hit it. The guy plays his game without any fear. And you can tell how much he gives a fuck. And, I mean, when he's on like he was against Everton, holy hell. I mean, he has games where when it's every every pass is hitting, he's creating opportunities left and right. I mean, he is one of the few things that I get joy from watching Manchester United. Because even when he doesn't have a good game, he is still the hardest working player on the field, yeah. too. And I just... I mean, come on, he's come on, he's my guy. Yeah. So I, I mean, I had him at four, right? So obviously, I I, I see a, a lot of what you see. I have I have a couple questions. One is, I I right now have pegged Rashford as the team's goal scorer. I know Martial is the striker, but if you if you were to ask me who's scoring for United from open play, I'm going to guess it's going to be Rashford. Yes. Right. That's that's. When United need a goal, I think it's going to come from Rashford. Yes. Um, so he's so not 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 saying that like if if we weren't eliminating playmaker goal score, I would have picked Rashford. But I don't know if Bruno's better than Rashford. I, I, I if if Bruno doesn't have Rashford to play some of these balls to, I don't know if 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 he's able to make some of the passes that he makes because he needs that speed and that skill set Rashford and that fearlessness that Rashford has. Right now, if Bruno was on a different team um, that didn't have Rashford but had other players like, you know, like a, a Gnabry or, or, you know, a Jesus, then yeah, he, he can make it. So my point may be fucking stupid and I'm just rambling on. Uh, but I, I don't know if he's better than Rashford overall. When, I, I still uh... think Rashford's my... When Bruno Fernandes arrived to Manchester United back in um, January, Rashford went out immediately with an injury in that Wolves FA Cup game, and Bruno Fernandes was lighting it up. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, That's all you, I got to say you about would, that. You know, you know United better than I do. Um, I just, I'm yeah. not proud of that. Um, the, the one problem I have with Bruno is, like, not not thinking about effort, but like his product, you know, moving forward, going offensively. When he's off, he's off. Yes. Like, like you you know by the thirty minute mark if if you're if you're not getting the the the, the cream of the crop Bruno Fernandez performance. I mean, I think I think if he gets consistency, if he becomes a consistent, you know, thirty six out of thirty eight games, if he gets that consistency. Then you part putting him in the Kevin De Bruyne conversation. Yeah, and I think yeah, I, I, I think his lack I, of I, consistency I holds that. him back um, because at his very best and De Bruyne at his very best, you can't tell me they're they're not like right there. But De Bruyne does it every single game, and that's what separates the best. To... Yep. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Nobody knows you, better than you. Me. Ready to you ready to to end this call on my number three? 
Oh no, I'm I'm ready. I'm fucking mad because it's gonna be Harry Kane. Harry Kane, it's Harry Kane. Go ahead. Because Say your this piece. this this season, Sun is this season. We're primer, talking about this season, this season right? Season. Okay. I'm talking about this season. Okay. <laughs> because this season, what Jose Mourinho is asking of Harry Kane, it's not it's not they've they've said. Sun's our primary goal scorer, therefore we need Harry Kane to be something else. It's what Mourinho had said to Kane is, I need you to be my playmaker. And therefore Sun has stepped up as the Harry Kane goal scorer because Harry Kane is actually taking a much more... And if you compare his play this season to seasons past, he's been way more active in the build-up, way more active in setting up his teammates. He is making a concerted effort to be that playmaker. He's Harry Kane, so he's still going to wreck goals and score goals, but his primary focus and purpose in this Jose Mourinho squad is, is playmaking and setting up the teammates as well as being there to score his goals. Yeah, and Harry Kane is a phenomenal player. Hey, Gates, how many goals does Sun have in all competitions for Tottenham this season? I think Harry Kane has, what, two more goals than Sun? Three more goals. Three more goals than Sun, yeah. Um, so, Donnie, I just, Donnie, I, I Donnie, struggle, not, I struggle with this idea that he's not the primary goal scorer this season when he is currently the team's primary goal scorer. Oh, Donnie, I didn't realize that we were beholden to stats and that, so, so, the, so, hey, Donnie, is the, is, is the, is the best, is the best goal, primary goal scorer in the world, the person that has the most goals scored? I mean, usually, yeah, Robert Lewandowski won the golden boot, didn't he? Did he? No, it was what's-his-face from... Um, it's Kira Mobley. Well, so Mobley's so Mobley a better striker Mobley's a better striker than Lewandowski. Well, it depends on how many were penalties. And he played in less games I... when he won. So if you look at all competitions, Lewandowski was the leading goal scorer because the golden boot was only for league, and the Bundesliga plays less games. So that's the problem with that question, right? Because you got to look at... I'm just saying he so, is literally so are, the team's you, primary goal scorer right now. That's unarguable. No he's, he's, no, he's not. No, that primary goal scorer refers to the role they need him to play on the starting 11, not where he shows up on the stat sheet. And as, as we both have said that we don't believe, we believe that uh, soccer kind of opinions and talk is way too beholden on whose stats are what. And we don't, you know, at least I personally think that we need to get a little bit away from that. Role that he's being asked to play in a given day is to play make and to create more so than it is to poach and finish off. I am not I am not saying that in all cases stats are king. But if we are, if, but, if, you, if, but because but because the stats support your case, argument here, because the stats support your argument here, you want to use it. In this specific up. case, if we are trying to determine who a team's primary goal scorer is. The very first thing I'm going to look at is who has scored the most goals on the team. I, I just, I feel like your argument is, and I understand it, is you're saying he is playing as more of a playmaker this season than he ever has before. And Jose Mourinho is telling him, it's okay if you don't score as many goals as you have before. I don't want you no, to necessarily focus on that as much. not what I'm saying. That's close to what I'm saying. What I'm saying is he he's he is playing and being asked to play not more as a playmaker than he has in the past. He's being asked to play as Tottenham's playmaker. 
He is. Look, look at look at that lineup. Look at that roster. Look at look at how much deeper he is being being asked to play to to come back and connect to feed and to to, to send out wide. He is being asked to do this because not, not more than he has in the past. Yes, it is more than he has in the past, but he's being asked to be Tottenham's playmaker, and it's working. It's working really well, and that's why Tottenham are are what second in the table right now. So you will say that. The, a team's top goal scorer is not their primary goal scorer. Doesn't have to be, not necessarily. No. Okay, I, I just so I think by your logic, Messi should have been allowed on this list because Messi is asked to be the team's top goal scorer and the team's top primary. He's asked to do both, so for that reason, he should be allowed to be on the list. No, he's he's being he is more being more relied to score goals than he is to be to create the goals yes they want him to create the goals that he scores but at the end of the day everybody is is critiquing and talking about how Messi's not scoring from open play right now Messi's only scoring from the penalty spot because this goal scorer is not scoring goals I think that I just disagree with Harry Kane. The idea that Harry Kane, the team's leading goal scorer, is not the team's primary goal scorer. And I disagree with the premise. I reject the premise that a, the leading goal scorer has to be the primary goal scorer. Okay. Well, this got awkward, our little pod babies. <laughs> My number two in the list is Jack Relish for all the reasons that we've talked about uh you know, previously, I think he's the second best creative force in the Premier League behind Kevin De Bruyne. And the Premier League is the the best league in in the world. You know, I think anybody that we've kind of talked about in these top five can can make a case and make an argument. But at the end of the day, I, I'm going Grealish number two. Yeah, uh, I had Joshua Kimmich number two. For uh, all the reasons you alluded to when you had him at five, um, I think outside of Lewandowski, he's the team's second most important player, and I think that he is one of the few guys I think on both of our lists who is like kind of a throwback to guys like Xavi and Pirlo, Paul Scholes, Xabi Alonso, the deep line playmaker. Just because you're not always in the attacking third doesn't mean you're not making shit happen, and. I would yeah. I would say of all the guys on the list, he's also one of the only guys who can slide tackle someone, win the ball, pick his head up, and then play like a beautiful forty five yard pass and, and play it immediately. Like he he can he can he can make a run on the ball if he needs to, but he he's also not going to slow your attack down because he's not going to because he's going to get that pass out. Yeah. Uh, also, he's yeah, really he a playmaker make, on both sides of the line. ball. That's a good point. Yeah, um, he uh, he also you know does. Some of those deep line plays, but he gets up in the attacking third a lot too. Yeah. And then we have the same number one. Wait, who is your number I, two? Jack Relish. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I think if your number one isn't Kevin De Bruyne, then you're just on drugs. Get the fuck out. Yeah. The guy is so nasty. I mean, this is the position. I mean, playmaker, attacking midfielder, this is the position that I played. And if in my mind I thought about what a perfect attacking midfielder played like, it would be like the way Kevin De Bruyne plays. He is I mean, so he, good. He he's got the, you know, he's not slow. He's he's pretty quick. He can join in the counter. His technical ability, the way he can, the passes he can make, uh, the touch is incredible. But I think the most impressive thing is his vision. 
the the run that he sees and the way he just knows not just like oh i know that jesus is going to make this run but also i know that he's going to make this run at this speed so i need to hit the ball with a certain amount of bend and and pace on it so that you know he can uh sky it over the crossbar because i've made it too easy for him or that may be a raheem sterling assist uh but yeah i i think de bruyne is is the the gold standard at, at this playmaking position yeah yeah question though um with with aguero kind of injured and, and getting a little older and maybe phasing out of pep's plans uh, it's not de bruyne but who who is this Man City's like like primary goal scorer? I don't want to have a conversation about primary goal scorers anymore. Is it Jesus or is it Sterling? Like, I can't, just, I like, can't answer just... the question because if you don't think that a team's top goal scorer is their primary goal scorer, I, I, I don't know how to have this conversation. Okay, I guess we'll just never talk about top goal scorers again. No, we can talk about top goal scorers. I just can't talk about primary goal scorers. I mean, you, well, you're, it's just, you're, you're, yeah, we don't need to go down this path. I think they're going to need to buy a striker to answer your question. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't think, I don't think Gabriel Jesus is consistent enough at either being a top goal scorer or whatever a primary goal scorer is um, to kind of cement that and replace the, the sort of production you got from Aguero. Yeah, and Sterling again with him, it's like a consistency. It's it's no, it's it's what I said way earlier when I said he always makes the wrong decision in the final third, and that's what right. it is with him. Yeah. He yeah. just he always <laughs> fucks that last part up because you get so excited and you're like, oh, f- for fuck's sake! I, don't, I could not also, imagine being a Man City fan with Sterling. What kind of sucks is like, you know, he almost always makes the wrong decision, and then half the time when he makes the right decision, he skies or sends the ball wide like like even when he even when he makes the right decision some of the time half the time he fucks that up like, like, like he's talented and i think he's gotten a lot of unfair negative press from oh one thousand percent he's treated media. very unfairly by the media uh and and pep has done a really good job of making him more clinical than he had been in the past like i i, I he's gotten a lot better but to to be a finisher that is equal to the caliber of the playmaker in De Bruyne, they need he needs to to make even more strides forward, or they need to find somebody who can replace the clinicality of Aguero, as you mentioned. Yeah, but maybe Gabby Jesus could be that guy. Yeah, that's possible. I don't know. Um. I don't know. It's possible. He's, he's got skill sets, but I don't know. Wait. Eh. Here's a here's a mini segment. Players you used to you forgot used to play with this team. I saw I saw like an article about this and Sterling <laughs> made me think of this article. He wasn't in the article, but so for example, like like Acardi used to play for Barcelona, like nobody remembers. <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh Immobile used to play for Borussia Dortmund. Like not everybody's gonna remember that. Right. Sterling used to play for Liverpool. More people would remember yep. that, but I just kinda he's been with Man City for so long I forgot about it. Uh Gerard PK used to play for Manchester United. <laughs> yeah, that, that one always gets me. Every time I see that, I always forget it. One hundred percent. Um Matteo Darmian used to play for United, who like I don't know if if you're not a United fan. I don't even know who Mateo Darmian played for before Manchester United. Um, 
there's a couple other good ones out there. Um, oh, Ashley Cole played for Roma. <laughs> I saw a thing the other day, and it was like Ashley Cole was talking about like how Zlatan is still so good at his age, and it was like Ashley Cole talking about his former teammates, and I was like, former when? teammates, and I was like going through the list, and I was like, no, they didn't fucking play together. What? Like what? Is like like Sky Sports like posted this on their Instagram? They usually don't. They're usually right if they're talking about yeah. something like like factual. Uh, and it was like bothering me. I could not remember. And when I, I was, I was like, oh, it was with the fucking galaxy. That's why I couldn't remember. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, it doesn't count. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't count. That's like that's like saying what like Pirlo and Lampard were teammates, weren't they? Uh, that <laughs> New York galaxy City together. FC. Yes. Oh, Lampard used to play for uh, West Ham. Uh, that galaxy. Uh, NYFC. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, NYFC. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> West Ham had that period of time where their academy was like pumping. Their academy pumped out. Lampard, Terry, Joe Cole, and somebody else. But they had like a nice little run. Yeah, yeah. I just it's just like I think. Well, soccer... they gave up. They, it, well, they they gave up on Lampard because they didn't think he was like physical and big enough. Yeah. Which is which is funny because like now we look at Chelsea gave up on Salah and De Bruyne because they didn't think that they were technically good enough, and now like like. like so it's uh, the the shoes on the other foot. Yeah, it's always interesting to see like, oh, like Salah used to play for Chelsea. De Bruyne and Roma used to play for fucking Chelsea. Yep. Yeah, th- those two are actually I think great candidates. Hey, everybody forgets Danny Drinkwater still plays soccer. Everybody <laughs> <laughs> forgets Danny Drinkwater is still alive. <laughs> oh. I think in soccer, though, there's just, like, more than the American sports. Like, the American sports have 32 teams. Like, in soccer, there's, like, a thousand teams and so many players. So, guys can jump around so much. Um, That should be a fun segment we should do where we each, like, bring up a player and be like, did you know he played? Did you do you remember this player played for this team? Like Icardi yeah. for Barcelona, I was like, oh my god, what? I'm like, oh my god, yes, you're right, he did. That what blew my mind. Yeah, that 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 may be the best one, honestly. That is a really good one. <laughs> um, I also like Ashley Cole at Roma for some reason. That's fair. Yeah. All right. I like that too. Uh, that's like, and that's like, that's like, I mean, slightly different, but like. Did you know, or you do, because I've texted you about, like, five times, Gervinho plays for Parma in Syria. <laughs> what? I told you about that commercial for one of, like, the Euro- – like, you know how the European team do their summer tours here? And it was, like, the commercial was, like, come see these gods of soccer. Cristiano Ronaldo, Leo Messi, Gervinho. <laughs> like, why is he – I'm sorry. That is, that's when he played for Roma. Yeah. Oh, oh, that was not, that wasn't when he played for Arsenal. Maybe it was when he played for Arsenal. It had we were, to we, when he played we for Arsenal. We were in college. So uh, I think there was a little overlap for a little both, right? Was, in college? It, yeah. I th- I think early, like, like maybe freshman year, he was still at Arsenal, but I think he left Arsenal pretty, pretty early on into us being in college. <laughs> Regardless, it's it's an obs- it no, is so it's a, about it is... halfway. He was Arsenal twenty eleven to twenty thirteen, and Roma twenty thirteen to twenty sixteen. Okay. Hey, speaking about guys you forgot used to play there, um, Gervinho used to play for Lille in the Uber Eats. Well, not the Uber Eats like then, but more importantly, 
before Parma, uh, Jorginho played for Hebei China Fortune. <laughs> hey, Donnie, it's time for Coach of the Week. Yes, it is. Coach of the Week. And my Coach of the Week, um, you know, it, <laughs> I had this – okay, to be fair, I'm going to show you the highlight before I do this because this is just <laughs> now poking fun of how butthurt we just got about our last conversation because now we only move forward by last. But because he had the insight to tell Harry Kane to not be the primary goal scorer. Fuck you. Fuck you. And to be a playmaker, my coach of the week, which is clearly pre-timed before we recorded, is Josie Mourinho for his... His incredible way to redefine terms. I fucking hate you. That just, listen, you know we need to, whenever you and I come to a disagreement that we're passionate about, you know that the only way we're ever able to move forward is if we can then laugh about that. And this happened to be perfect timing, but Jose Mourinho was my coach of the week because Tottenham are in second place, and he since our last pod, they've won every game. Close one goal game wins, but wins nonetheless. And I think and- he deserves some credit because... He was kind of poop for a few years there. He looks like he's got his juju back. <laughs> let's, let's not forget for two hours they were top of the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Tottenham, Tottenham fans were screaming, stop the count, for two hours on Saturday. Yep. Stop the count. So uh, uh, that is my coach of the week. My coach, my coach of the week is uh, not nearly as furious, and I will not apologize for it. Our, our good friend uh, uh, Roger uh, over at, at CBS – um, made a, a tweet about this, and and I completely wholeheartedly agree with him. My coach of the week is U.S. Men's National Team Manager MLS Greg Berhalter, simply because he played and started Tyler Adams and resisted the overarching urge to put him at, at right back instead of his natural position midfield. And because of that, coach of the week is MLS Greg for not pissing me the fuck off. Oh, man, imagine if he had played Tyler Adams at right back while Sergino Des rode the bench. Dude, that's exactly what he I, – like, that is 100% what I – when I went to bed, um, what, Tuesday night? Because the game the game was on Wednesday or, or – maybe the game was on Thursday. When I went to bed Wednesday night, I wholeheartedly expected noon or 12.45 on, on game day to see a, a lineup of Dest on the bench, Tyler Adams uh, on, on the squad, and see him at right back because, like – MLS and Green Greg thinks that's the fucking future. Yeah. So, all right. Gatesy, fullback of the week. My fullback of the week is Tyler Adams, who has been used at fullback by MLS Greg in the past. Therefore, he is eligible for fullback of the week. And he's fullback of the week because he was able to convince his dunce of a fucking manager to play him in his natural best suited position in the midfield. Let's fucking go, boys. Um, my fullback of the week is Ben Chilwell. He's been playing really well yeah. for Chelsea. Assists, goals. Um, he's been, he, I think he, he, he looked at really the good. assist. His assist was that was to, to uh, Thiago Silva's header, right? Mm-hmm. Or was was it Zayac who had the assist? Either way, Chilwell's had a, a great. Yeah, I think Chilwell's a great pick. Yeah. So um, we'll briefly recap. We, I know we're running long today. Um, we had a lot of additional segments, so I think what we, we'll we, do... We, we, we wasted 10 minutes with a, uh, a, a, an argument that, that pulled the tethers of this podcast. 
But see, we haven't had one of those in a while, and I and you know what? I needed that to feel alive again. I needed to also, know to, I, to truly I, love you. I, I have to remember what it's like to hate you. <laughs> I I knew what I was doing when I put him on that list, and I was and I was ready for it. I was like, let's fucking do this. You were you were ready to dance, and we danced. Um, I think we will review the Champions League next episode as a whole to get things moving, and we'll just quickly recap the leagues. Um. Starting with Syria, because yeah, we're never so, allowed to start with the Premier League again. No, no, <laughs> fuck you. Why do we? Yeah, I hate you. So uh, Syria, we had a couple couple key matchups this week: uh, Lazio, Juventus. Uh, I believe it was Atalanta, Inter Milan, and then and then Milan went up against an easier opponent in Hellas Verona. Uh, so this this was scripting out to be like a great potential uh, day for Milan. The early morning match, Lazio Juventus, uh, and Cristiano Ronaldo scored I think you know, early in the first half, and then five minutes into stoppage time at the end of the game, uh, Caicedo for Lazio equalized for a one-one draw. Bit of a concern, Ronaldo picked up an ankle injury, and I don't know what the extent is there, but. Uh, so we want to see him, you know, healthy and playing because soccer is just more he fun. He played for Portugal. Was... Um, he did. Nice. He, he didn't okay, start. Good. He got about thirty-five minutes, so I think they were taking it easy. Uh, but in good. his time on the field, he got a, an assist and a goal. Good. So he's uh, eight, eight then... away from having the most international goals. Hell yeah! Uh, and then we had Inter Milan and Atalanta, uh, both also drew one-one, setting up up for you know milan's top four you know, four biggest opponents for like top four and strong finish all dropping leaving two points on the table uh so naturally milan at home against helios and verona who've you know actually like doing pretty well this season milan go down to nothing uh 20 minutes into the first half uh, second goal, first goal off of a wild Kareem off of the uh, goalpost off of Donnarumma, just sitting in, you know, like off his back, uh, waiting for a toe poke from from the striker, and then the second goal, a wicked deflection off of David Calabria. Uh, but Milan was able to kind of fight back, and Zlatan Ibrahimovic, after missing chance after chance after chance, missing a penalty uh, in the third minute of stoppage time, uh, was able to. I think it was a head or. That wasn't a header. It was a. It was a, like a, a weird volley kick. It was one um, of the weird ones that only Zlatan kicks it that it way. Was a, yeah, and it's, it's it was like, a weird yeah. like. It wasn't a bicycle. It wasn't a scorpion kick, but it was like a sidewinder kind of like like kick. It was scissor kick. Scissor kick. It was it was a, it was a Zlatan goal. It was a Zlatan kick. Uh, it, that ended two two. So. Uh, Milan still finished top of, so top of the table this week. Uh, kind of reeling though after a disappointing league performance, which they was on the the, the heels of getting absolutely shit pumped by Lille in the Europa, Europa League. Um, but other than that, nothing of note. You know, uh, Roma got a win, so they're trying to. Mkhitaryan, who you know used to play for Manchester United, uh, got a hat trick. So Roma's starting to I think. Uh, climb back up and, and try to be relevant in, in this push as the top teams look to separate from the the noise. Uh, but it's way too early to see what's going on here. So, um, over this, like, since we last potted, Napoli played Benvinto, and Lorenzo Insigni is, like, you know, is a Napoli's primary goal scorer. And he scored a goal 
and his little brother, who Roberto Insignia, who plays for Benevento, also scored a goal, and it's the first time in Serie A history that two brothers both scored a goal in the same match. In the same game, yeah. And I thought that was really cool. That's awesome, yeah. That, that was That's literally all I had to add for the Serie A update. Um, yeah. So should we just hop into the Premier League real quick and then hop out? Yeah. All right. Just tear the bandit with Man U first. Three games, three different results. Chelsea, uh, 0-0. Okay, first of all, real quick about Chelsea, and I'll say this again. Mendy, real deal. They just found their goalie. I'm terrified. Everyone who competes with with Chelsea, be terrified. It's like 60 million less than they paid for Kepa. Yeah. I just want to point out, Mindy costs like 60 million less than than uh, Kepa. So, sorry, it's a really bad time to eat a cookie, but you know, <laughs> I needed my midnight cookie. Whatever it takes, man. That looked like a game played by two teams who didn't want to lose the game. Yep. The only player who came close to scoring, I felt like, was Rashford. Um, signed at zero zero. Looked like Arsenal was going to be the exact same thing. Until Pogba just kicked somebody in the box. <laughs> the only thing was stupider than that play by Pogba was afterwards when Pogba said out loud in an interview, I was tired from having to run back, so that's why I made the challenge. So they, they get the penalty. They win 1-0. So I just think, uh, we're playing Everton. This is not good. No, no. Apparently, Manu doesn't think Arsenal are a good team, so we play down to them. Apparently, we think Everton are a good team, so we beat them 3-1, where Bruno plays God-tier with two goals and an assist, and Cavani gets off the mark for United. And I love that play from Bruno to give it to Cavani for the easy goal instead of going for the Hattie. Yeah, uh, encourage Cavani to open up his account. Also, that that second goal of Bruno that like almost got touched by Rashford to I score. I, but yeah, I, I, that's not what I wanted to touch on. The... I think actually technically doesn't didn't Rashford end up with an assist on that because he's the one that fed Bruno before Bruno put the cross in that ended up going in like, yes. like their chemistry the two of them together we've talked on it when we were you know going over Bruno and Rashford their chemistry specifically is incredible and fun yes. to watch and when healthy I also love Shaw being there to be kind of like a third piece of the triangle of the three of them because Shaw will like will take the ball to relieve pressure and then quickly get it into Bruno or Rashford's feet so that they can make the more talented play. Uh, but he'll also provide, you know, outlets. And, you know, the good like, thing about like... that on that note is that Shaw picked up a hamstring injury like two days ago. So yeah. um, the also, legacy I would of Luke Shaw continues. Don... I'd love to see Donny Van de Beek get some more minutes, see how he, Bruno and Rashford can connect and, and intertwine. Uh, but like, can we not play Van de Beek in like a diamond midfield <laughs> why do we go to a diamond midfield <laughs> when you want to get van de beek in there also why is Solskjaer so afraid for playing donny van de beek as one of the deeper lying like what part of the appeal is that he can play anywhere across but, any midfield position donny donny if you play him in a deeper line midfield then you can't play uh two out of the three mctominay fred and matic I'm going to go to Liverpool now. Um, they had two tight games. 
2-1 wins against Sheffield and West Ham where, you know, you felt like a little bad for Sheffield and West Ham for not being able to walk away with points there before they had a 1-1 draw versus um, Manchester City. But Liverpool got to be worried because they have like 15 guys out due to injury, COVID, herpes. Specifically, 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 they have some injury concerns on the defense. Gomez, their, their first two center backs out. TAA is going to be out for a little bit. So their entire... Uh, Fabinho, who's filled in at, at center back. Third choice center back out. out. Uh, Matip has, has been out uh, with injuries. I think Matip and Fabinho are expected back, and, and Trent is expected back soon, I, I think. Uh, but we know Van Dyke is out for a while, and the reports are Gomez could miss some serious time. Uh, and, you know, what we don't know with Matip and Fabinho are will they be able to stay healthy, and, you know, how can they go a full 90? Um, defensively, it's a concern. Also, as we we talked about at the top, Mo Salah has a has coronavirus. Uh, Sadio Mane missed time with coronavirus earlier. Like they are just getting wrecked off the field. Yeah. Um. One one game against City. They used a bit, you know big headline matchup. It was a solid game. Um. You know De Bruyne has got to be kicking himself for missing the penalty. I thought it was a fun first half. I thought the second half left a lot to be desired. Like, yeah, the I, second half did. The second half did not compare to the excitement of the first half. Right. So I said solid game. Solid. That's great first point. half. Me and second half. <laughs> Average it out. Solid. Um, I gotta tell you right how there? I watched this game and how I watched the Man U Arsenal game. So this game, we were in Houston last weekend visiting some of Kelly's friends who had just gotten married, and we were at brunch. And I was just watching this game on my lap, on my phone. Like, just, this is just what I was doing. Yeah. I watched I Ars- the that. Arsenal game in church. And Kelly and I made a pact that I will go to church with her every Sunday and raise our kids whatever religion she wants. But once a year, and this was my one for 2020, once a calendar year, we get to sit way out of fucking left field in the church and on mute i get to watch whatever game i want to watch that particular sunday once a year i get i can never use it on christmas or easter that's fair but i get this once a year and i cashed in my once a year to watch the game now here's my question to you hindsight do you wish you had saved it for a different game? Well, no, because where we are in the year, there's not many games left, and we usually plan the church time around when Man U oh, and, and when the Texans the, play. Yeah, it's the calendar year. It's almost up. That's fair. Do I think that maybe we lost this game because I chose to watch this in church? Now, I think that is another debate to be had. Um, But moving on to Chelsea... We've been Mendy. They look great. Mendy looks great. Warner Havertz, Havertz Warner. are firing, and since Zay- Zayek, Zayek, Zayek is really is good. What like three assists, two goals in the last like three games or yep. something like that. And yeah. so since their draw, they've just been shit pump Burnley, shit pump Sheffield. They're good. We mentioned Tottenham when I talked about Jose tight wins versus we, Burnley, Brighton. Do we, do we talk about Gareth Bale with the winner opening up his uh, reopening up his old account? That we did not talk about for- Gareth Bale. Yeah, um, I think overall Bale's been a little rusty. You know, he hasn't played that much soccer over the last two years. Uh, play a lot Let of golf. Bale though. play the Masters. <laughs> uh, also, Bale was 100% watching the Masters during the USA Scotland game. There's no doubt on his about iPad, it. No doubt on about his, it. 
no shame. He was watching it. There, there's footage of of him looking at a like at, at, at an iPad. We don't see what's on it, but it's the Masters without a doubt. Yeah. Now back to this. Did get a winner um, for, for for Tottenham, and I can't wait for um, Jose Mourinho to have Bale be their secondary goal scorer behind uh, Son. And really just and pushing their top goal scorer down to their ter- tertiary goal scorer. Um, Arsenal. Surprisingly not a good last three games for them, considering they beat United, but sandwiched on either side of beating United was losing to Leicester City 1-0. And then getting absolutely dicked on by Aston Villa. I mean, just... Dick out, rubbing it all a, over the face. A three nothing home loss to Villa, which honestly you could have made an argument for four nothing. Uh, the opening goal was called back because Broccoli Rob was offsides and impeded the vision of of uh, Burn Leno. But like that was a judgment call, so it could have been four nothing. And it, um, hey, if I had it my way, every time someone's offsides, I think that impedes the goalie because the goalie's thinking about them. That's fair. No, it, it, it it's fair, um, but also that. That shot, uh, I think it was target, uh, which would have been an assist from Grealish. Uh, he was robbed <laughs> from for the stats. Uh, it was rocketed so hard that had nobody been around, Leno's not responding to it quick enough. Yeah, but I, I get I get the argument. Yeah. Um, also, I think it's not going to happen, but I think we're getting close to people who revolt against VAR. There have been some questionable, shitty, VAR, tic-tac-y decisions. Like the call against Leeds, Patrick Bamford, where he's just pointing where he wants the ball. I think that the offsides rule should be changed. It should be your feet. I think if your upper body is leaned forward or your arms are forward, that's fine. I think it should be everywhere everyone's feet are. Yeah. Also, I I think if it's close enough, they have to... If it's close enough, they have to draw those lines. You're not offsides. Like if, <laughs> yeah. if you have to bring up those lines, then it's not offsides. Like because it's th- not a clear and a, obvious error. But but also but the problem the problem we have now is but the, like like I, I, yeah fuck it. I I actually I think you're right. Like one of the things happened. Fucking get rid of VAR and just go back to the golden days where people just get pissed off about it wasn't offsides or it was offsides, uh, but the call is the fucking call, and we enable the refs to make the call there and stand by it. Or the letter of the law has to be changed because that rule was designed for passing the eye test and nothing. It was not designed for measuring millimeters. Yeah. Um. Villa, on the other hand have not had the best three games except for being Arsenal 3-0 because they lost 4-3 to Westham. And then, um, or was it, no, Southampton. They lost 4-3 to Southampton. Yeah, they, so they lost, they lost they were 3-0 down to four Leeds. No- also, that 4-3 is a really flattering stat line. Yes. They were down 4 nothing for a lot of the game, and they had a second-half flurry that led by, you know, our Lord and Savior, Jack Relish. Uh, with a great a great second half offensive performance, but they were never in the game. All my message to Villa is is that Grelish is doing his job this season, so tell your fucking defense to do their job. Yeah, and I mean when they win, and, and like, to be fair, winning, that's on you, JT. I know you're listening. When when they're winning, like Mart, you know, Emilio Mart- Martinez, their uh, goalie who 
left Arsenal and got a shutout at Arsenal uh, this season. For, more for more clean sheets at the Emirates Stadium than Arsenal has this season. Then, yeah. Um, so, like, when they win, they are doing their job. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I think Southampton's had a great start to the season. You know, they're actually near the top of the table. Uh, Leeds, Bielsa's – he's a tactician, and he's going to uh, out outmaneuver a lot of teams he plays. So – We'll see. I, I feel I like think, Leeds I think Villa... will either win in a high-scoring game or get shit on. Yeah, I think it's fair. Which is, I guess, that's it's pretty entertaining. Um, and then just closing up with City real quick. Not the last, best last three by their standards. Only one win in their last three games, and that was against Sheffield, who are a ghost of last year's Sheffield. One point, one point for Sheffield. Yeah, this season. And. They drew against West Ham and they drew against Liverpool, so it's still all pretty open. Um, my biggest thing on the Man U front is just the lack of consistency from Solskjaer because when when his job is on the line, oh, he'll beat PSG in Paris 2-1. When his job is on the line, oh, he'll shit-pump Leipzig 5-0. And I know we're not talking about Champions League until later, but... Oh, but, but then he's gonna. Matter. Yeah. But then he's gonna draw against Chelsea. Then he's gonna lose against Arsenal. Oh, but it's results on the line. Okay, let's let's turn it up and beat Everton three one. I just that's what kills me about him, man. Is just like, and that's maybe part of this Man U team. Like someone had a great quote where it's like they're either so mediocre or they're absolutely world class, and they can't be consistent at either. <laughs> and like you know, it's great that you know the players clearly like. Uh, at least the majority like and respond to Solskjaer because that's why they played better when his job is on the line. But in the the grand scheme of things, it's bad for United because like he either needs to get the consistency to be like the the manager moving forward, or if he's not, then that needs to be known and understood so that somebody like Poch or Nagelsmann or or somebody can be reached out to and and United can make that step. So, uh, I've heard some interesting things about Mr. Pochettino, and he's actually been saying some interesting things. He's been very complimentary of Manchester United in his latest punditry guest gigs he's been getting, and there's a dirty little rumor that's been circulating the internet and other places, not the dark web. Uh, I'm, I don't know what the dark web is, and I'm scared one day I'm accidentally going to go on it. <laughs> I don't even know how you go on it, but I'm scared that it's going to happen. All I know is it's dark. I just know it's dark. Yeah. That's why I'm scared to put my iPhone in that black mode because I feel like that gets me one uh, step dark closer. Mode, yeah, yeah. <laughs> dark mode. No, no, no. The first, the first step to getting on the dark web is to put Go, your phone or browser dark in dark mode. Yeah. Um, I've heard some rumors that he turned down the Barca job because he wants the United job, and he's just waiting. He's waiting for Solskjaer to be consistently mediocre and get fired. <laughs> um, a couple of good matchups coming up after this. Um, not next weekend, but the weekend after. Tottenham Man City on Saturday, November 21st. Leeds Arsenal and Liverpool Leicester City on uh, Sunday, November 22nd. And then the following weekend, you got Everton Leeds, which I think can be a fun one. Everton lost three uh, consecutive league games, by the way. And it's the first time in Carlos, Carlos Carlos career never, yeah. that he's lost three league games, which is crazy considering the great start they had. Everton Leeds, that'll be uh, November 28th. And then November 29th, you got Chelsea Tottenham Arsenal Wolves. So. Some good things to look forward to when uh, Premier League gets up. And then just quickly wrapping things up here. I know we've been running along. We appreciate those of you who are still with us. This may be our longest episode. No, I think it's just Kelly at this point. Hi, Kelly. Um, 
<laughs> El Clasico is the big thing to talk about in La Liga. Real won 3-1. Both teams got early goals. That uh, Ansu Fatsi guy, so fucking good. And it's a bummer yeah. that he's out with an injury because he's so good. Uh, Messi was I think, I think, anonymous in El Clasico. Uh, Benzema had an I think, assist. I think, he's out, I, I think he's out a couple months, too, which yeah. sucks. Um, we've already talked about this, but Jao Felix really looking good. Uh, Messi went six games where he, his last six goals were all penalties. Ronaldo has never gone even five game consecutive goals of only penalties. But he finally scored from open play, so that's good for him. And one quick last thing I got to talk about is this Valencia-Real Madrid game. 4-1 Valencia over Real. Valencia were awarded four penalties in the game. Made three of them. Okay. Real Madrid's backline in this game. Varane, own goal. Ramos, concedes penalty. Marcelo, concedes penalty. Vasquez, concedes penalty. Unreal stats for their backline. In own goal and three conceded penalties. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. Uh, was it a Benzema goal for Real? Like, who scored Real's one goal? I have no idea. It wasn't Benzema because I feel like I would have said something. That's fair. Okay. Um, and then PSG have, have, have won a bunch of the games. They're now top of the table. Uh, uh, Bayern Munich uh, beat Dortmund in Der Klassiker. Uh, it's actually a pretty solid game back and forth. They, I think teams had equal chances, but Bayern were clinical, Dortmund were not. And uh... and I felt very bad because I gave a friend of ours betting advice to bet Dortmund win or draw because I felt like at the odds it was a good – it was like plus 150, Dortmund win or draw. I thought those were good yeah. odds. And I was like – I thought, you know, Kimmich goes down, which you hate to see, but I think, okay, here's a chance here. Here's a chance. They're going to have their chances and – I mean, little brother syndrome, early, man. Little brother early syndrome. In the, early in the first half, Holland missed an incredible opportunity uh, that Reina set him up for, uh, and it was just that kind of you know final shot or final ball were just a little lacking for Dortmund and Bayern. Bayern convert on clinical opportunities. That's just what they do. Uh, so we are on alert for boring Liga. It, it's it's we, the alert has been has been raised, but not yet confirmed. The thing is, though. I agree with you. We're on alert. But ultimately, you know, like in the Hulk where this, his secret is that he's always angry? The Bundesliga <laughs> secret is that it's always the boring Liga. And that's why we watch. We watch for we watch for Dortmund to cuck themselves. We we, we watch for uh, Leipzig to, to try to position themselves as, you know, one of the three big clubs. But there's only two big clubs. Like, that's, that's why we actually watch is to see them try but know where they're going to end up at the end of the day. Yeah, and uh, like I said, w next episode we'll really we'll keep it light on the league action and dive into the Champions League. We just knew we were going to talk about U.S. soccer for a while, our playmaker list. We knew we were going to fight about top goal scorer versus primary goal scorer. But please follow our primary Twitter account, at OwnGoalPod. But if you want to follow our top Twitter account, please follow at EGATE84. <laughs> um, own Goal Podcast is available. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever your podcasts are at, we can get there. Um, if you're worried that there's a certain platform that you would like to subscribe to us on and we're not there, let me know. I'll make it happen. And, um, man, I don't think Gates and I have checked our e our pod email in months, but 
if there's something in there, I'm so sorry. We'll, we'll check that email before the next the next session. So if there's anything you want us to cover or, <laughs> or if you send us an email in the last three months, we'll see it then. Yes, and um, while that email is our primary email, you can fault you can actually message us on our top email account, which is uh, egates84 at onlyfans.com. <laughs> Bye. Uh, Donnie Don, Don, Don can go fuck himself. Bye. <laughs> Bye. I was sitting wishing in this barren desert wasteland all alone. Hoping that mirages were in some type of scene I've come to know. She whispered closely, told me this is all that we could ever be. But none of me would be the enemy and destroy our destiny. Cause our love is a battlefield, and I'm a soldier made of steel, and I'll fight until the end. Spirit, oh yeah, right down to the bone. Until the day I realize my courage is all I ever own. Cause our love is a battlefield, and I'm a soldier made of steel, and I'll fight until the end. Shallow wounds always bend, no, no. Surrender your core, I'll give you bombs of